I believe the Lord wants us to recognize that we are an anointed people. That if you have the life of God, if, if you're truly born again, you're converted. If you're truly born again and truly converted, the Bible says you have come out of the world. You're separated unto Christ. You've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, and there's something that's so alive in you. You're, you're not ashamed of the gospel. There's life. When you pray, mountains move. When you begin to stand up on the God's promises, demons flee. You have the power to change and create an atmosphere wherever you go. And the Lord has really uh, been laying on our hearts, and as David said this morning, and I just bear witness, there's a shift that is taking place in New Life Fellowship. Some of you are going to move with, with the cloud. Some of you won't. You may say, oh, Pastor, you're prophesying death over us. No. Now, it just seems like any time there's a move of God, let me tell you what happens. It creates an offense. Anything that's spiritual will create an offense. And if you are of an old wineskin, Jesus said you cannot put new wine into old wineskins because the new wine is so dynamic and there's so much, it, it creates, it, it demands a elasticity, a flexibility. It demands the kind of vision and faith. In other words, the new wine, the Holy Spirit, will never allow you to be stuck in the same place. God has called us to move from natural to supernatural. He's called us out of darkness to be lights and city set on, the, on a hill, salt and light to our world around us. And I I, I'm just so excited with God. I, I'll tell you right now, I'm about, I'm about ready to blow up. I am so filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, I cannot contain it. It is so in me right now. I just, uh, I could go a thousand directions in the message this morning, but I know what the Lord has spoke to me to say, and I'm going to just follow what the Holy Spirit <clears throat> wants me to say, and I want us to bow our heads in a word of prayer, and after I pray, I also want to pray. Actually, I'm going to reverse this. Let's stop. Time out. I want all, all of our young people that are going to school this year, would you please stand? Every, if you are going to school this coming fall, public, private school, every, everybody, going to school, amen. You're going to school. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to even know that our young people are on the front lines of a battlefield. They really are. By the way, if you're going to college, maybe you're in a university, feel free to call, stand too. The reason why we need to pray for our young people, listen to me. I'm not going to preach this, but in Daniel chapter 1, do you know that in Daniel 1, when the children of Israel were besieged by Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, the one thing he did was he killed the parents. This was when Babylon was taken and he spared the life of the teenagers. And the reason Babylon, or King Nebuchadnezzar, did that was that his plan was to re-educate the young people of the children of Israel. And he gave all of the names of the children of Israel, he changed their Jewish names to Babylonian names that represented the gods that they worshipped. 
And the reason why in the area of education, by the way, your kids are not just going to school to learn writing, arithmetic, English, and history. It is about a change of culture. It is about a change of direction. And we as Christian parents need to be aware of the dynamics of what is going on in heavenly places. The Bible says, as John read this morning in prayer, that the spirit of the prince of the power of the air that rules the minds, who is the God of this world, and there are three dynamic areas that these demonic powers rule over. Let me give you those three. Number one, the media. Number two, politics. And the third area is education. And so when your kids are going to school, there is an agenda to dethrone and destroy and distract anybody who claims Jesus as Lord and to destroy the cultural values. Do you know that America was once founded as a nation under God? There's a design and a plan to stop that. And so why am I praying for our young people today? That God will put a hedge of protection around them. The parents, not only our kids, I want to pray for parents. Parents, your kids are going to school. Your, their kid, your, our kids are going to need leadership at home. It's going to need the kind of fathers and mothers that are going to pray with their kids. That are going to read the Bible with their kids. It's going to take the kind of leadership at home where moms and dads are going to stand against the attitude, the rebellion, the despondency that is coming out of our schools, and young people think that it's normal to be in rebellion. It's normal to be addicted. It's normal to be complacent. It's normal to reject authority. It's normal to reject family. That's what's coming out in the spirit of this age. God has called us to be salt and light. Amen? Amen. Now, if you came to church this morning, Hey, pastor, just give me three points on a poem, send me on my way, and just kind of stroke me this morning. You are in the wrong place. No one's going to give you three points of poem and stroke you. This is all about empowerment. This is about equipping you for the work of the ministry. I want to pray for our young people. I don't mean to take a lot of time on this, but I want you to be aware. The Holy Spirit is telling us we are in a war. And if you are going to sleep and say, oh, Pastor Ray, you're just getting up there, just getting all fanatical, and I'm not going to get all excited about Jesus. But I'll, I'll tell you, if you're, if you're more involved in the issues of school instead of the, the Holy Spirit, what God's saying, I'm concerned for you. Well, I'm going to pray right now. Father, we ask you, Lord, that even as da- Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, Lord, as, Lord, you put a hedge around them, Lord, and you gave them a heart as Daniel had purposed in his heart not to defile himself. Lord, I pray right now that you'd put the same spirit, the same heart and desire and passion and understanding upon our young people, Lord, that they are called, anointed, they're chosen by the Holy Spirit. Lord, you're planted, you have planted them because the steps of a good man are ordered by the every school that they're a part of. Lord, you've ordered their steps for their life to be a witness for for the sake of the kingdom into a world where young people are searching for truth. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to send them, we send them as arrows, Lord, into the darkness. Lord, that they would proclaim and be a, a light in their world. Let them speak with a prophetic anointing and an unction. 
Lord, let their life flow with supernatural signs and wonders following. I pray for the parents. I pray for a spiritual awakening upon the parents. God, that you would cause dads and moms to come alive, to pray, to speak up in the home, to declare the right ways of God. Oh God, we are living in a time where there needs to be an awakening in the church, a spiritual awareness of what's going on. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated, kids. By the way, I just want to tell you guys, God's going to use you in powerful ways. I really mean this. God has already given you prophetic words. You are to go, when you go to school, you are to go with the understanding that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. No longer are you going to be confused about whether this is you or the devil or anything. You are going to know the Holy Spirit's with you and he's speaking through you. You are going to speak, he's speaking in our word. You are going to see the powers of darkness break off of young people's lives in the library, in the hallway, in the bathroom, even in the parking lot. You don't have to invite him to church because you are the church and you are bringing church to them. We're not waiting to bring people to church to meet Pastor Ray. You are the church, and the power and the anointing and the call of God is on you. And you see, we are being awakened to a, a new identity who we are. Too long the church has been feeble and weak and worried about, oh, I'm a backslider, and I just have troubles and problems in my flesh, and I just fail and fail. No, we are no longer going back to those days of wrestling with our old man. We are new creatures in Christ. We have the power of resurrection in our body. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We're not going back to that. That means we don't make excuses anymore. That means we're not crying in self-pity. That means we're not going to open the door to self-pity and feel sorry for us. Because we are more than conquerors in Christ. Amen? Now, if you want to self-pity and you want somebody to cry on your shoulder, there's a lot of churches here that will make you feel sad, make you feel bad, and they'll give you a lot of counseling, and they'll let you know we're here for you as you cry in your soup and still feel like a victim. But in this house, you're more than a conqueror. The blood of Jesus has already washed your sins. The power of the Holy Ghost has equipped you with enough power, with enough supernatural wisdom, with enough supernatural weaponry in your arsenal right now to pull down every stronghold that you face. And God's only looking for one solitary man and woman that will stand in agreement with what has already been bound and loosed in heaven. He's looking for just one. If I could just find one. Because no weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. Amen. You see, there's no excuse anymore. There's no excuse for you to say, well, I got a weak marriage. There's no excuse for you to say, I got bad habits. No, you just believe you do. God's word already declares you more than, you already, you're already have overcome. You have already overcome. If Christ is in you, you've already overcome. You don't have a problem. Oh, pastor, you're just, you're just speaking mind over matter here. You're just kind of a uh, thought over matter. No, I'm speaking the living Word of God. You stand on that Word. 
Man, I'll tell you, all of a sudden, you're going to become dangerous and courageous and contagious. Praise God. Every one of you should be contagious. You should be rubbing. When, when you get here at New Life Fellowship, this place ought to be a powerhouse of worship. You know, when David was talking about worship this morning, you know why? You know why this place is so on fire for God and so enthused? It's because there's a passion in our heart because we know we're on the winning team. Have you ever seen a Super Bowl champion where people just kind of sit around quiet while their team brings home the trophy? No, they're in the streets that night and they're basically tearing down the city because they're so happy. We need to be tearing down the church because what Je- he's, he's, he's conquered the best Super Bowl we've ever had. And the reason why people don't rejoice is because they don't know what he's accomplished for them. I want you to jump with me in your Bibles this morning for a few minutes to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I want to read this scripture and i got to move because I know my time is moving. The Lord gave me, spoke to me a word a week ago and told me to tell you. If you're a visitor here in New Life, praise God. Uh, We love you, we welcome you. And if this word applies to you, praise God. But I want to speak to those that God has planted at New Life. Because this, I believe, is a word to this church specifically, although it does apply to the greater portion of the body of Christ. But the Lord spoke to me to speak to the church family this morning. And it was a week ago, a week and a half ago, the Lord told me, he said, tell new life, the days of hiding are over. It's time to come out of hiding and come into the fullness of the potential of who you are and what you possess in life. We're going to be looking at the life of Gideon. God is going to bring the spirit of Gideon upon this congregation. And he's going to begin to open our eyes and open our mouth to some things. I want to to read most of this chapter for the sake of background. I'm going to come back, make a few comments. We're going to close in prayer, minister. I want to start in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tenebinoth tree that was in Orpha, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to them, oh, my Lord, How can I save Israel? Indeed, my family is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Have you ever heard that one before? My family is the weakest. I'm the poorest. Nobody likes me. I'm not popular. I'm the weakest. I just don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. He says, how can you even look at me? And the Lord said, surely I will be with you. And you will defeat the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, 
If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talks to me. <clears throat> Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went out, prepared a young goat, unleavened bread from an ephah flour and meat. He put into the basket and he put forth the broth into a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented it to them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat of unleavened bread, lay that on the rock, pour out the broth, and he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire. Everyone say fire. How many of you know that when you begin to obey God, you're going to see fire? When you begin to bring offering, you're going to see, everyone say offering. Let me tell you, there's no priest... And we're all kings and priests. The Bible says no priest is to not come before me without an offering. Amen. How many of you know we offer to God our bodies this morning as a living sacrifice? We offer our praise, the fruit of our lips, even in the New Testament. That's not works. That is simply obedience. God says we're to offer unto him. When you offer the offering, it brings the fire. The fire rose out of the rock, consumed the meat and unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it is still an orphan in, of the Abernites. Now it came to pass, at the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal <clears throat> that your father has. Cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in its proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer burnt offerings with the wood and the image, and you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him because he feared his father's house and the men of the city too much to do it by day, so he did it by night. And when the men of the city, by the way, the men of the city happens to be from his own people. How many of you know sometimes when you start stepping out and obeying God, you start making enemies among your own people? This was not the enemy. Anytime you begin to move in things that are new and fresh, sometimes you can really cause a buzz and cause problems among your own people. Especially when you're dealing with some sacred cows or when you're dealing with some idols. And so what he does is he cuts down this idol of Baal and tore down the altar and the wooden image that was beside it. It was cut down. The second bull was being offered on the altar as Baal. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said unto all of those who stood against him, by the way, that was his father, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore on that day, 
He called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him because he has torn down the altar. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together. They crossed over and camped in the valley of Jerel. But the Spirit of the Lord, everyone say the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Aren't you waiting for the Spirit of the Lord? Came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abernites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh and all those who gathered behind him, and he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. So Gideon said to God, If you, have, if you will save Israel by my hands as you said, Look, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And it was so that when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece and a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just one more time. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. So God did so that night. It was dry in the fleece only, but there was dew on all of the ground. Jump down to the next chapter. Then Jerubbabel, which is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the well of Herod. So the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moriah in the, Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for you to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of your goodness and your glory. We thank you, Lord, that you're here by your Holy Spirit. You're here, Lord, to open our eyes. You're here, Lord, to do a work, a deep work in our lives. You're here, Lord, to help us understand the champions. You're here to help us understand the power of your greatness in us. And so, Father, we open our hearts this morning with faith and receptive hearts. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you say amen to the word of the Lord? I believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible actually says. I believe that there's power in the Word of God. I believe that the Word of God says what it means. It means what it says. And when I actually put the Word of God to the test, which God is always asking us to, He always comes through. I have never seen God fail me. My wife and I have been serving the Lord as a married couple for 35 years. He has never let me down. I mean that. There's been times where I've wondered what God was doing. Uh, he didn't necessarily answer my prayer when I wanted him to, but he's never failed me. Never. Honestly, he's never failed. I, I am not here. I'm not pastoring this church because I needed a career change. I'm not here because I got tired of building houses. I'm here by the will of God, by a call of God. I know God has called us here, and God has put on my heart the, to tell you one thing, and that is this. My desire and my heart is to pursue one thing in the Lord, and that is complete and total revival. I'm not going to settle 
for church status quo. I am pursuing the Lord. We are pursuing God in a way that is going to bring revival not only to this house, but to our city, to every family, to every marriage, to every young person, where people are radically turned on to the things of God. Delivered from bondage. Delivered from religious bondage. Released in the fullness of their potential. Now in this story, we have an amazing encounter by this man Gideon. First of all, Gideon had a dilemma. He had some real issues in his life. Number one, he was an impoverished man. The Bible says that the, the Israelites had become impoverished and full of fear because of the Midianites. Now keep in mind, Israel was in the Promised Land. They were among the Canaanites. God told them that when they were to possess the Promised Land, that they were to fight and God would give them the victory. In fact, God had already given them the victory. In fact, when we use the Old Testament, folks, it's so important you understand this, that the Old Testament is a physical picture of what God is trying to say to us who are in the New Covenant to how things operate in the invisible or spiritual realm. Romans 15.4 says, For all these things that happened aforetime happened unto them for us as an example for whom the ends of the age are come. I believe that we are living in the last days. So you don't, we don't write off the Old Testament. But God uses the Old Testament to illustrate things in the invisible or the spiritual realm. There's an old hermeneutical or old hermeneutical principle that says that the old is in the new revealed and the new is in the old concealed. What that means is when they would offer sacrificial lambs in the Old Testament, how many of you know that the, in the Old Testament the sacrifice of lambs pointed to Jesus who is the Lamb of God? So you have the old revealed and the new revealed and the new is uh, revealed and the old concealed. So there was a concealed truth of revelation under the Old Testament, although they didn't understand the full depth and meaning of it. But here Gideon, he's in this dilemma. He's impoverished. He's hiding. He's running. He's eking out a living. He's barely making. He's afraid. He's not only that, he's depressed and he is mad at God. Because when the angel of the Lord comes to him, and by the way, the other thing I think that was interesting is that when the angel of the Lord came to him, he did not perceive that it was an angel. It wasn't until later that it says that I perceive that this must be an angel. So in other words, whoever was talking to him did not have wings and a halo and did not have any glow on his face. But there was a man who comes up to him, and I think there's something to be said by that, is there's times that God is going to send people into your life that might actually be a ministering spirit, although they may look like just a normal human being, but they are messengers sent from God to bring about a spiritual paradigm shift in your life and an awakening concerning God's plan and purpose. And so many times we kind of pass it off. Oh, that's just the pastor saying that. And when it might actually be God. It, might, it may not be a pastor. It might be your brother. It might be a sister. It could be a neighbor. But someone comes to you, and the thing, the other problem that, that uh, Nehemiah, or Nehemiah but uh, Gideon had here was that 
He had a serious inferiority complex. Who am I that you would even speak to me? I'm, my family is the least popular, and I, of even my, I am the least and the weakest of my family. Isn't it amazing that God would come to people like us? Isn't it amazing that when we write ourselves off, God says, no, I'm coming right for you. Yeah, but Pastor Ray, you, you don't know my past, man. I've been divorced, and I've uh, been a drug addict, and I still got problems, and man, I tell you, I've got some real psychological, emotional hang-ups, and I'm depressed, I'm mad at God, and I just don't know. God says, I'm coming for you, man. You're the man. You're the woman. Why would he do that? You know, I love the, the way God responds. Remember when God finally gets Gideon's attention and God begins to speak to Gideon. And isn't it amazing that when God finally gets the guy on board, gets him on the same page, God says, all right, Gideon, now we're going to go against the Midianites. And God says, oh, what? time out, time out. Your army's too big. We're going to cut down the size of your army so that the Israelites, when the defeat comes and when the victory is yours, they will, be, they will not be able to claim the victory is theirs because Israel was still too blind and too ignorant and they didn't know the Lord in such a way where they would actually claim that they got the victory by their own strength. So God says, I'm going to cut down the army and I'm going to pull out all the crutches and you're going to have to trust me. So when the victory comes, when the breakthrough comes, when the miracle happens, you're going to stand back and say, wow, that had to be God. That had to be God. It sure wasn't me. And everybody else is going to look at you. You're the leader? You? God's called you? Why would God call you? You don't have no talents. You have no gifts. You don't even look leadership. You have never been to a con. You don't even. You haven't even gone to Bible college. You can't prophesy. You can't even talk. I know, but God's chosen me. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come into the fullness. Let me tell you what the purpose of the gospel was for. Do you know that the gospel? A lot of people miss the whole purpose of the gospel. Remember when Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke four nineteen has anointed me to preach the gospel. To the poor he's talking about people that have a poverty mindset there's people that today have a relational poverty not just financial poverty yeah we, we always hear about financial prosperity and thank god for prosperity in the finances but th there's so much more to prosperity than finances and the body of christ is really lacking that understanding god wants to bring a prosperity to you where jesus in in in, in matthew 12 44 says that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things but an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. in other words whatever you treasure inside is what you produce if your marriage is failing if your life does not produce joy and health if your marriage is not producing the kind of fruit where your wife is beaming, your kids are growing healthy, there's integrity, there's life, there's love, maybe, maybe I treasure the wrong thing that's producing a real bad crop. 
If you don't like the fruit, maybe you ought to look at the seed you're sowing. Or the seed you're feeding it. Because let me tell you, life is like a garden. Your marriage is a garden. And if you've got a weed patch, that means, that, that means there's neglect. Somebody's not tending the garden. Maybe there's people, maybe there's television, maybe there's some friendships that are sowing into your garden, and all of a sudden, I don't know about you guys, but if I've ever gone to a garden and I see a lot of weeds, man, I just, I'm not a happy person. But I love fruit. Man, I love to see the flowers blooming. I like to see how everybody loves good fruit, don't you? How many of you want to have a marriage that's going to go the distance and last? How many, of you, how many of you want to see your kids go through grade school and high school and they're going to be protected by the hedge of prayer and the power of God in their life where they can actually come through high school and not be singed or touched by the powers of darkness, not be addicted to drugs, not be molested with sex, not have to be overcome by the bullying and the powers and the influence and the peer pressure, but your kids come through strong, able, uh, uh, their heads lifted up because of the power and the anointing and the call and the knowledge of God that is within them. Our kids do not have to be a statistic. But here it is. It takes leadership. God's raising some Gideons. Now, God, all of it, God begins to speak to Gideon. I want you to write this thing down. Three things that God begins to do in Gideon's life. Number one, God confirms to him his presence. The Lord says, the Lord is with you. The very first thing the Lord says, the angel of the Lord says, I'm with you. Folks, we need to settle it. The Lord is with us. We need to start settling. We need to stop saying things like this. You need to stop assassinating your call. Stop destroying your own call, your own family with the words of your mouth. Do you know what the Lord, the angel said? The Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. Now, I think what is so powerful here is what the Lord didn't say. He said, you know, he didn't say this. He said, you know, Gideon, you got some problems, man. You know what? You don't think right. You don't have enough faith. You don't believe God's word. You're sitting there complaining and you're so negative. If you ever start thinking right, maybe something will happen for you. Now, that's the way some preachers preach. How many of you have ever come out of that? I remember hearing a message by somebody I knew really well. It was, he called it the ten nevers. Never complain. Never belittle yourself. Ah, it sounded like a, but it was all full of nevers. How about some messages that have to do with who I am and what I possess in Christ? It was, all, it was a message about what not to do all the time. Don't steal, don't, don't drink, don't do this, don't do that, don't do, don't do this. And I I heard all the don'ts, but I didn't know who I was and what I possessed. And there's some people, well, I know I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to do that. And, oh, man, I better straighten my attitude. I better. And so, you know what? A lot of people come to church. Listen, a lot of people come to church and they have this mindset. I'm coming to church and I want the pastor to tell me what to do. Pastor, tell me what to do to get my life fixed. Tell me what to do. The Lord told me not to tell you what to do, but to tell you who you are and who you belong to, and it's who you belong to and who you are is what you live from. 
You see, I am not going to tell you how to get the victory because you already have the victory. And therefore, when you begin to live from the victory, you will begin to see your personality and your mind in your life. If you constantly think of yourself as a basket case and your marriage is on the rock and we're not going anywhere and we're just kind of going down to hell and then we're going to sink in the toilet of despair. If that's the way you think, guess what? It will happen. But if you begin to say, you take your wife by the hand and says, we are an awesome, mighty couple. We love God and we've got a vision and we've got a dream and God is with us who can be for us and we're coming into the kingdom. Look out, devil. My kids are champions. I pray with my kids. I stand with my kids. I look to my kids and I confess and pray over my kids. Guess what? All of a sudden, you're going to start coming into the reality of what you declare. The purpose of the affirmation, the purpose of that word, calling him a mighty man of valor, was not to stroke him. Anytime God declares and proclaims your identity over you, it is to get your confession in alignment with his promise so he can fulfill what he says. Because on earth, he has to have, God has to have a witness. But if he doesn't have, you know why? Guess what? A lot of people say, I wonder why it took Abraham 25 years for God to fulfill his promise and Abraham to give him a son. Do you know why? It wasn't, God, it wasn't God's problem. God was waiting on Abraham to get his mouth in arrangement, in alignment with what God said. God kept saying, Abraham, you're a father. I don't feel like a father. You're a father. I want you to just change your name from Abram to Abraham. God didn't get tired of his old name. God was giving him a name that had a prophetic promise that was getting his mind in his faith. God has to find someone on, if I can find someone that will come into alignment with the promise of my word, I can open the heavens for him. I can bring down the powers of darkness. But you know what we do on earth? We're so busy looking at the problem. We're so busy looking at the influences. We're so busy looking at the, the problem, the struggle, and, and the battle, and how weak we are, and where I come. You don't know where I come from. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what people say about me. Well, God really, frankly, doesn't give a rip either. Because His grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, in fact, I find that God just loves glory. He, he loves to glory in the things that can concerns our weaknesses his grace is made perfect the first thing he does the second thing that i think that is so amazing is that what the lord tells him and i want you to see this here in chapter six he says this in verse 14 then the lord turned to him and says go in this might of yours everyone say yours i want you to right now turn to your neighbor and say you got it. You actually have the strength. The angel said, I want you to go in this strength. He didn't say, of me. He says, I want you to go in this strength of yours. In other words, Gideon, I know you've been looking at how weak you are and you've been looking at the problem, but you've all ready got it in you 
and you don't see it. I want you to go in this strip. Well, what was it? Do you know what he said? He actually said it. He said, where are all the miracles? See, Gideon understood because he understood the covenant that God made with Abram and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. He remembered Gideon was well-versed in the Pentateuch. He was well-accustomed and understood what God spoke to Mount Moses on Mount Sinai, not just in the giving of awe, but the revelation that God was giving to the children of Israel. And the revelation was this, that God would call His people who called them out of Egypt, and He says, and I will set you on the high places of the earth. You will become the head and not the tail. You'll, be, you'll become above and not beneath. And God began to reveal to the children of Israel. And then God began to say that I will dwell among my people. He says, tell the children of Israel, Exodus 25. It says, tell the children of Israel that they all bring me an offering. And let that offering be given to me willingly. Everyone say willingly. willingly. And he says this, that I may dwell among them. How many of you want to see God's presence among us? Let me tell you something. Now this has nothing to do with righteousness. This has nothing to do with our right standing with God. The Bible says in the New Testament that we as a kingdom of priests are what? He called us a royal nation, a holy people, a peculiar people, a special a treasure unto himself to show forth praises of him who called us out of darkness into us. Why does God want our praise? Because he inhabits the praises. If you want to see the dynamic of God's presence, we've got to begin to function in the very thing he created us for. Do you know what you were created for? Not just to sit around and wait for the rapture. No, he created you to be a worshiper. Jesus told the woman at the well, he says, you don't even know what you're worshiping. My father is coming and the, and the word of the Lord is coming, and now is that the Father seeketh such who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, it's not out of the law. It's not based on will you better or else. No, when you begin to understand the power, the significance of being in the presence of God, you can't help but worship. Oh, you want to worship. When this church, I, I, I have a vision. I'm, I'm going to be like Martin Luther King here. Praise God. I have a dream. Here's my dream, new life. I got a dream. I see New Life Fellowship. People coming to this place, they're going to come running in with their hands lifted high and a shout in their voice and a joy in their heart, worshiping the Lord. They're, it's going to get so loud in this place, we're going to actually have to tell you to be quiet. I have a dream. I have a dream about people being so excited about God. Miracles, testimonies. I was going to have Candace share a miracle last week. Candace shared that there was a, we had a prophetic word over her last week about pain in her shoulder and neck. God completely healed her. She emailed, texted me last week. And see, we're already we're seeing miracles take place like that. In other words, when the Lord told Gideon to go in this strength of yours, what he was saying was this. Gideon, I want you to go with an understanding in your heart and I want you to expect the unexpected. I want you to believe God for this. 
Stop living in the past. Stop limiting yourself. How many of you have come out of the past? I've, had, I've heard parents and people, because as a pastor for 25 years, I've heard so many people say, you know, pastor, I've been limited. I've been restrained. I've been restricted. I've been told I'm not good. I've been fired off my job. I've been demoted. My parents don't love me. They've never told me they love I've heard all of the stories. And you know, we don't realize that all of those kind of labels and all of that kind of stuff that we carry around us and carry with us, we don't realize is an attempt by the enemy to squelch and to distract you from the high calling that God has for you. See, you were created to be in the likeness of God. What was the purpose of the gospel? The purpose of the gospel was to promote greatness. God is great. He didn't just die on the cross to wash your sins so you can be forgiven, so you can feel good on the inside. No, He died so that you would come into the fullness of His image and to begin to function in the power and the greatness and to reflect the glory of the God you belong to to an earth that will begin to say, well, I don't know what it is about you, but I need to have it. That's glory. We're not just here, oh, thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sin. Oh, thank you, Lord, for giving me a new nature. and oh, giving you wash. No, oh, i got a clean conscience. Amen, praise God. It's much bigger than that. He wants you to understand you now can walk in prophetic revelation. You have the mind of Christ. You have the power of the Holy Spirit you can cast out devils. You can heal the sick. You can declare victory over the power of the enemy. You can raise the dead. You can believe God for things that are beyond the limits of your own physical abilities. That's what God says. Now some of you are looking, well, Pastor Ray, is this happening in your life? No, not yet, but it's coming. Let me tell you, folks, I fall short so many times. There's even this, even this week, I hate to tell you, but I'll be honest with you, even this week, I complained to God on one area. I, I was complaining to God. And the Lord said, Ray, remember. Oh, that's right. Wow, I forgot. And you know, I'm so grateful that God doesn't sit there, chastise me. So many of you, so many of us, are thinking that God's here to punish us. Do you, I love what Chris Volatin says. Chris Volatin says that you are unpunishable because Jesus has taken the full punishment for you. You can't be punished anymore. You cannot be punished. Well, Pastor Ray, come on now. Let's, let's get real. Yeah, let's get real. Let's get real. You're unpunishable. You see, here's the thing. When I begin to walk in the understanding of the grace of what the Lord is saying, and Gideon, by the way, Gideon is one of hundreds of stories. We could go into the life of David, the life of Joseph, the life of Abraham, the life of Daniel, the life of Deborah, the life of Esther. We could go through many scenarios where God took one independent young girl, a young guy, a guy, they were in a very difficult situation where they were confined by man, restricted, uh, 
uh, locked down, put into prison, forgotten, yet God raised them up. Great, everyone say greatness. Greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. Greater works will you do to those who believe greater. God has called us to greater. If my heart condemns me, God is greater. God is greater. God wants to get into our mindset the concept of greatness. He wants you to understand you have a great reputation. Some of you today have never moved beyond the reputation of some mistakes you've made in the past. And do you know that he's already forgiven and he's forgotten it and he doesn't even see it anymore? Satan reminds you of your past. But God here is to remind you of your future and what you have in him. You are a new creature. You're never going to do what you did before because you're a new creature. You have enough power and life and liberty. You are free. For whom the sun sets is free indeed. I love what the Bible says. Here, uh, uh, i, I got to close because i, I got to get into the uh, parts of this passage that really is amazing what, what Gideon begins to... Are you getting anything out of this today? I, I want to tell you something. There's some amazing things because what God is doing here, he's going to liberate you in, in, into a paradigm, into thinking and living and seeing yourself in the way God intends for you to be. I want you to bow your heads. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I was going to just say to you a song of joy. The Lord has set you free. He comes to set you free and put a song in your heart. Amen. You're not alone. The Lord's with you. Okay? I don't know who you are, but I just sense the Lord just say, just minister peace over her. The Lord's here to tell you the war is over. The war's over. He declares peace upon you today. Father, we just thank you, Lord. It's a new day. Old things pass away, all things become new. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. I see the Lord just breaking chains. He's breaking chains. There's been some of us, some of us, you've been in bondage to the lie of the enemy, and the Lord's breaking the lie. The power of the lie is broken today. He's going to give you an understanding what it is like he told Gideon to go in this strength of yours. It's not your strength, but it's the grace and it's that eternal word that God has put in your heart. The strength that Gideon had was the covenant that he remembered concerning the children of Israel. He was to go in the strength that he belonged to God. You belong to him. You don't belong to the enemy. You don't belong to your past anymore. You're new creatures in Christ. You're free. 
Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? I want everybody to do this. I want you to put your hand on your mind. I want you to pray with me. Father, pray with me, folks. Father, I surrender my thoughts and my imagination to you. I believe your word. I receive the truth that makes me free. I believe your word. I receive your word. Let the word have a place in my life. Open my eyes. I cast down evil imaginations and every thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. I have the mind of Christ. And that mind is a mind of faith. It's a mind of vision. It's a mind of hope. It's a mind of love. It's a prosperous mind. I embrace my new mind. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am called. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am blessed. And I live for the Lord. Now, Lord, I thank you that you have set me apart. I belong to you. Thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name. Notice the first thing that when the angel and Gideon cut a covenant with the meal, the Lord declared the place that was consecrated to the rebuilding of the altar a place of peace. And that's what he called it. The Lord is my peace. It's amazing what happens when God, when we're in proper alignment, peace, peace just comes. And I just sense the Lord bringing peace. He's bringing peace on you right now. I just sense the Lord putting a blanket of peace upon this house. He's declared his peace on you. And I receive that. Do you? You receive his peace? For he is our peace who has broken down every wall. There's no more walls. Everyone say no walls. No walls. There's no walls between me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you would like prayer, you would like us to stand with you. If there's need for healing in your body, once you to come, we're going to pray with you. We're going to see the anointing break the yoke this morning. If you want us to stand with you and unite with you and for anything, I want you to come and pray. Let's minister together, shall we? Other than that, you're all free to go, but we would like to continue to pray this morning. You come if you'd like to be ministered to this morning.